Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Animation Fascination Podcast. I'm Mark Bibber, and with me again is Stanford Clark. Hi everyone. And John Huber. Hello. This podcast focuses on the world of animation. Each new episode will feature all the latest news from around the animation industry. Whether it's traditionally hand-drawn, computer-generated, or stop-motion, if it's animated, it's up for discussion. All right, guys, this is an AF News edition episode, so we're going to be talking about the latest news in the animation industry, and then a little bit later on in the episode, we're also going to be talking about the Star Trek animated series as part of our Sci-Fi Animated Month this month. So we'll be back in a few seconds with our new trailers for the week. And we're back with our news for the week. Uh, just uh, one last thing I wanted to bring up is that I just guested on the Masterpiece Cinema podcast uh, today, earlier today, recently, and that should be out the same day as this episode's coming out, which, if you're listening to this, the day that it comes out, it should be July 9th right now. But, yeah, so we I talked about Aladdin uh, with uh, Josh Spiegel and his co-host over there. The last time I was on there, I talked about the Santa Claus 2 a couple of years ago. So, yeah, that's a pretty good podcast to check out as well, too, if you haven't listened to it before. They talk about all Disney-related things. So And, and now they talk about like anything that Disney owns, pretty much. So they'll talk about Marvel, uh, Lucasfilm... Even like you know, like Buena Vista and like some older films they kind of owned for a while, like Miramax and Dimension, at certain points. So it's a it's a pretty cool podcast. Uh, if you if you like us, you'll you'll like that podcast as well. So definitely check them out. Uh, but the first bit of news, uh, talking about Disney still, is a, a show I've been telling Stanford to watch for some time. The, yeah, the first I know. <laughs> two seasons are are on Netflix. Till season three will probably be on there in August. Because the, the Blu-ray for season three is coming out August 19th. It's going to be in that, that huge dump of Disney Blu-rays that come out on August 12th and August, August 19th. Yeah, amazing. So that'll be a pretty fun two weeks for Disney fans. Yeah. But yeah, so if you are a fan of Frozen, I think I said Fran of Frozen, a fan of Frozen, the live-action cast has been uh, selected for the show once upon a time if you guys watch it the end of season three spoiler alert uh elsa appeared uh so if you are pretty excited about this uh i mean i i think a lot of people that don't watch the show right now will probably end up watching it because of them having frozen on it oh absolutely it's a brilliant move they're gonna i think they're gonna get big ratings initially and and, uh, yeah and what's still interesting is is that the storyline for like these for Elsa, Anna, and Kristoff, the three characters that they've they've cast so far, is apparently going to be after the events of the film, uh, or at least with in context to that, so, because some of the stuff is going to be different. I would, I would assume, just because a lot of the other stuff how they adapt other stories has been different than you know the, the original film or story. But so, Georgina Haig. You know how to pronounce her last name? I don't know. I, I yeah, I was just wondering if it's just Haig or yeah. Haig. I'm not sure. Yeah, she'll be playing Elsa. So and 
whoever that was that that played Elsa at the, at the very end of season three, I don't I don't believe it's the same person. Yeah, and they just showed her from the back, yeah. right, Mark? So I mean, yeah, she she was blonde and she was wearing like Elsa's famous the Elsa braid. Yeah, and the dress, yeah. With the big yeah, so I mean, on. I guess she can she can look similar enough from the back, right? <laughs> but uh, if you watch Fringe, or if you did watch Fringe, she played uh, Henrietta Bishop on that show. So if you're a fan of Fringe, I guess you'll be wanting to check that out too. So another little kind of lost J.J. Abrams tie there with the show, just because uh, uh, the dudes that do the show, Eddie. Uh, Kittis and Adam Horowitz were writers for Lost as well. And there's been tons of people that were on Lost that have now been on Once Upon a Time. Jorge Garcia, uh, Rebecca Mater. Levine Andrews was on Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. He played Jafar. Uh, and then, yeah, there's just there's been a ton of people that have shown up on this. But I'm looking forward to this. Uh, and then Anna will be played by newcomer Elizabeth Lale. Which which is interesting because I know there's constant talk about like Kirsten Bell saying that she was open to playing the the character on the show. The show I don't know if it just didn't work out time wise. What do you think? You know, yeah. yeah. Uh, who knows? Yeah. Uh, the the actress that they picked just at least from the publicity picture. Yeah. She looks like she's physically a good match. Yeah, I have never and, seen her anything like they said. And, she's like uh, a newcomer, so. Yeah, so it looks like you know they could just put a little streak in her hair or whatever they're gonna do. And, I mean, she she just looks like a cute young woman in her early twenties, you know. Yeah. So, of course, it would have been fun to have Kristen Bell. Uh, you know, she's a good actress, and of course, she's got the name. But yeah. uh, and then this guy who's playing Kristoff, uh, yeah. his name's Scott Michael Foster. I guess he was in Greek. Yeah, which is a show on ABC Family. So they're kind of like you said, the joke you made, keeping it in the. Family, because Once Upon a Time is on ABC. Yeah, which is owned by Disney. But yeah, so you need to start watching the show so you can. I know, so I can uh, enjoy it as well as participate in yeah. any conversations about it. Yeah. I have no excuse. And if they do what they did with season three, they kind of cut season three up into so that like the first half was one story, and they kind of resolved that, and then they came back after the hiatus and did like another story for the second half of the season. So I'm wondering if that's what they'll do again for season four and kind of, you know, like this first half of the season, do like a frozen kind of centric story. And then when they come back for the second half, right. uh, they'll, you know, have something else going on there. And I wonder if like any of these characters will actually join on full time or not, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. And speaking of this really quick, uh, there's, have you seen the ad for that show Galavant? Yes, I have. Alan Menken's doing the Alan songs Menken's for that. Doing it. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be playing in between during the hiatus of Once Upon a Time. So, and then oh, if it's really if, fun. If people have watched Psych, uh, you'll be happy to see that Timothy Munson, uh, aka Lassie from Psych, is on on the show, and he looks like he's going to be playing a funny character in there too. So I'm excited for that. But yeah, the next one I haven't got to watch the, the duet short yet. Have you? I have watched it, right, and so I'll let you talk about that. So, uh, you know, we reported, and it was you know widely reported that Glenn Keane uh, left Walt Disney Animation Studios, and he went to work. Initially, it was for Motorola, 
Motorola bought Google, and it sounds like Glenn Keenow is working for or Google. Google bought Motorola, right? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> that was my bad. Google bought Motorola, and then they sold it Yeah, as well. But I think it looks like Glenn is working for Google. So uh, anyway, just to set that up. So Google had their big developer conference, uh, which I believe they call the I.O. conference. Uh, that just happened. I think it was the last week of June. And the team that he's on, which is uh, called the, um, oh, let me see if I can get this, if I remember this right, Mark. It's like the Google's Advanced oh, okay. the advanced Technology and Products Group, or ATAP group, uh, did a big presentation. And Glenn was able to talk about uh, this, this short that he's been working on, and then he showed it to the audience. And so uh, we've got the whole video of the hour-long presentation on the Animation Fascination website, and then you need to go near the end where you can hear Glenn Keane and then watch the short. But then you've also put on just the actual short itself, yeah. too, if you don't want to hear Glenn Keane's remarks. Big yeah. setup. But the, it's, it yeah, was the really... because the video's like an hour long. <laughs> yeah, and with a lot of talking and not a lot of stuff about animation, you know, until... Till uh, till Glenn shows up, it was it's really cool to watch just because it's I mean Glenn Keane, what a fantastic animator he is and and just to see him do something so fresh and original uh, was really uh, I, I loved it. The uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this this goes with this particular thing just because this ATAP team. At Google, they're creating uh, animated stories that you watch on your on a Android yeah. device, specifically. And so, I don't know. It, it'll be cool to see it on an Android because you just, I just wonder how you interact with it. You right. know, uh, I think Glenn talks talks about that, but that's going to be something that's very interesting. There's two other of these Google Spotlight stories are called that are already available on Android. Yeah, Windy um, Day. Yeah, and Buggy Night. Yeah, and one, and they're both from former Pixar animators. Pixar animators. Uh, John Pinkava. Wasn't John Jan Pinkava? Didn't he? He worked on Ratatouille originally. He was the initial director yeah. of Ratatouille that got replaced by Brad Bird. Yeah. And then uh, Mark Off Tadell. Yeah, uh, and so, the and those were both done in uh, you know with CG animation. Yeah. So Glenn's is the first to be done uh, hand-drawn. I'm actually watching right now. It's really it's beautiful. It's the, beautiful. The colors it, and... Yeah, it just... Transitions are really fluid, too. It's cool. The transitions are, are wonderful. And according to the reports I read, Mark, he did it all. You know, Glenn, yeah. Glenn directed and animated it like, all. Yeah, they developed, like, an animation... Uh, production area there basically just for him just for him <laughs> so i loved it and i hope everybody you know listening can take some time to go to go watch it and again it's just what a what a delight to see him uh creating stuff because he, he's just so he's just so good definitely no you know one of the best that's for sure it makes me want more hand-drawn oh i know seriously uh, although, like, we're getting that stuff from, like, Cartoon uh, Saloon, like, you know, like, with the, the, like, you know, they did The Secret of Kells, and they're working on the their new film right now. 
Yeah. And they always have like a unique kind of point of view with like their animation they do. style. So looking forward to stuff from them. So, so hopefully more people will get stuff out like that. I read uh, an article that Kyle Ostrom did, the, the dude that we follow him on Twitter. I think he writes for our, our friends, the, the Rotoscopers. But mm-hmm. uh, he wrote like a good article of like about like with DreamWorks, uh, I'll I'll get I'll bring that up in a few minutes when we get to that one. Actually, I was just thinking about that, but I'll, when, yeah, when we get to that that story, I'll, I'll bring this up what I was about to say again. But yeah, the the next thing uh, from Disney, Enchanted sequel, is moving forward seven years speaking after the, of, the first film. Speaking yeah. of hand drawn animation, yeah. Uh, yeah, the opening of that film, uh, opening of that film's hand drawn animation was done really well too. I, I really enjoyed that, and. Chainhead was a, a great, great movie as well. I liked all the music in that. Oh, was that? Uh, did did Alan Menken the music for that movie? Yeah, Alan Menken yeah. wrote the music for that, and it was also the film was directed by Kevin Lima, right. who he directed Disney's animated version of Tarzan. You know, that so, came out in nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, and uh, so that's why that one was so good. But from from what you you wrote on the the site, I'm not as excited so far for the second one other than a second movie's being made so it's going to be directed by uh ann fletcher uh she's directed a lot of romantic comedies and 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 comedies so 27 dresses the proposal that film with sandra bullock and ryan reynolds and then most recently she directed the guilt trip with seth rogan and barbara streisand i never saw the guilt trip did you see that mark yeah it was it was okay uh, and then writing the script are Jay, David Stem, and uh, David N. Weiss. They, they're the writing team. They've, they've collaborated on a lot of stuff. They wrote Shrek 2, which yes. I think we, you know, I think that's a very you know, popular title, particularly for animation fans. And then uh, some live action and some hybrid stuff. So Are We There Yet? Daddy Day Camp. And then they also are responsible for those two Smurf films that Sony uh, Pictures Animation did with uh those hybrid yeah live action animation on so anyway uh no casting announcements have, uh, have been made we'll see how this goes if it gets stuck in development hell or for if or something's gonna actually come about definitely and uh producers are buried uh josephine and barry sonfeld so. which were the same producers of uh, the original yeah and yeah so no cast has been announced either like you said so I mean, I would hope a bunch of the cast from the first film would come back. I mean, at least Amy Adams, Patrick Dempsey, James Marsden, and and Adina Menzel. They made the film. You know, clearly it was fun, and maybe some other actors could be done. But, you know, Amy Adams, she was fantastic. I think that's why everybody loved it so much. I I consider Giselle a Disney princess. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so going from something that's kind of fun to something that's not so fun uh, is DreamWorks layoffs had started this past week. Uh, kind of because How to Train Your Dragon 2 isn't doing as well, uh, but and Mr. Peabody Instrument didn't do that well either, nor did Turbo. So what do you think about that? I mean, what stinks is like a lot of... I've, I mean, Rise of the Guardians didn't do that well. That was a great film. How to Train Dragon 2 is another fantastic film. Mr. Peabody and Sherman's a great film. So, 
I just wonder, like, why these films aren't doing that well at the theater and people are going to see other junk when they could just be seeing well-made movies. You know, it's really interesting to me, too. Particularly, I thought How to Train Your Dragon 2 was really going to slay the month of June. <laughs> I was speaking of... Yeah, I have no idea why it's office. not doing that well. I, 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 I don't either, because... And, you know, we've commented a lot. They had they had a terrific marketing campaign. I think they had a you know very much a built-in audience for it. Um, so I don't know. One of the one of the things I had read, and it was an interesting idea, but I don't know if it's you know what, what's really true or really what's happening. But uh, because they've had that uh, Dragons of Riders of Burke series, oh, yeah. there hasn't been really a, a break. I mean, people have been able to get stories, you know, and still stay with these characters. And so then with the, when the sequel shows up, it's maybe there's not as big of an appetite because there's been something. But do you think enough there, people but, are watching the yeah, show or see, not? I, I'm not sure I believe that statement. I just thought it was an interesting, yeah. I thought it was an interesting theory. Uh, I, you know, <laughs> Who knows? But it's a bummer that it's, I think, what, about 40 to 50 people we've yeah. read lost their jobs. And they, yeah, it says know. the studio, quote-unquote, the studio didn't have enough features requiring staff building front-end production elements, so employees and departments that were overstaffed were laid off and their contracts paid out. So, yeah, uh, we, we think it stinks, especially since the, the few people that we know over there are, are all really nice people. I mean, and they're all, they all still have their jobs, too, so don't don't worry about that, but... Uh, apparently, DreamWorks stock rose substantially on July 1st after the after layoffs. After the news. So, I don't know. Uh, uh, I'm hoping a lot of people go see The Penguins of Madagascar <laughs> at the end of the year then and buy Mr. Beauty Buddy and Sherman and How to Train Your Dragon 2 on Blu-ray later this year. Yeah. And go see it in theaters. Yeah, go see go How to Train Your Dragon 2 in theaters right now. It's uh, Pause the podcast and go see it. Really interesting to me. I don't... I, I don't yeah I don't get it. Yeah, I don't understand. Uh, but yeah, like like we were just saying, uh, what what I was about to bring up that what Kyle wrote was that like maybe the DreamWorks should do like one big event kind of film a year with since, since they've been doing two to three films each year, like do one big event and then do two like really lower budget films where they can kind of like uh, be experimental and like test different types of animation with them, but then like really do like their high budget ones like like on their franchises like how to train your dragon and kung fu panda to make them you know more temple kind of things instead of making every release that they put out in a year like a big temple big budget feature to go check out well and yeah yeah exactly but, yep. i don't know i mean like i said i've, I've enjoyed uh, a bunch of the the past films that they've been putting out recently so i, I don't i don't know go see the movies but uh, kind of with that to kind of build their stock in different ways, DreamWorks also recently bought the rights to Felix the Cat and not to produce a animated film for Felix, but for actual like, like merchandise and stuff like that. Yeah, so Jeffrey Katzenberg did a presentation at the big licensing expo that happened in June in Las Vegas. And... Uh, made the announcement that DreamWorks had purchased the rights to, to Felix the Cat, as you just mentioned, and logically you think, well, cool. Felix is, you know, very highly identifiable character. Uh, 
they're going to do some animation, you know, something. But no, they're going to turn it into a product. They're going to, it's just going to be for pro consumer products. Yeah. So, uh, very interesting move. Definitely. Uh, one of the things I read about that, uh, which, we, which we published in our story, was that Felix the Cat, uh, having, you know, if DreamWorks had a successful product line, that could help with their revenue stream. Definitely. Uh, so did you know that like idea. they owned like uh, uh, He-Man, too? Well, I heard that because they classic media owned all that all that filmation. Yeah. Stuff and He-Man was part of that film. Uh, film, right? If I if I'm yeah. not mistaken. So I guess to kind of go with what we're we're going to talk about later in the yeah. episode, they they could even do. I don't know. Maybe that's where it gets weird. Those like Star Trek the animated series stuff has so many different. Um, owners like Star, right. Star Trek itself, so probably not that stuff, but you know, like all the other filmation stuff. But yeah, I think we talked about this a little bit with uh, uh, Jesse when she was on the episode last time with talking about like different stuff like DreamWorks could do with the classic media stuff. It, it's interesting. I mean, they've Georgia the Jungle and uh, all, all that Jay Ward stuff, so yeah. Well, and I'm glad. I still feel ripped off that we didn't get to see the Rocky and Bullwinkle oh, short yeah. on the big screen, but I'm glad that they're putting that on the, the uh, 3D Blu-ray. On the Blu-ray, yeah. only on the 3D Blu-ray. That's though, right. So. It's only on the 3D Blu-ray. They're going to put that Rocky and Bullwinkle uh, short. So, so make sure if you do want to see it that you pick up the 3D Blu-ray. Yes. Otherwise, you'll be sadly uh, without be disappointed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you won't get to see it <laughs> again. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, but that 3D set uh, is pretty packed with stuff. It's going to have a bunch of, like, original Mr. Peabody and Sherman shorts on there and uh, some other stuff from Rocky and Bowwinkle uh, show. So that is going to be a, a good Blu-ray to check out. And that comes out in October, which, which is a really long time after its March release, too. Yeah. So, uh, from there, we're going to talk about that Lino Di Salvo. Salvo yeah. Wow. Lino Di Salvo has moved from Disney to Paramount Animation, uh, joining, you know, John Cars over there, uh, amongst other people, like, isn't Teddy Newton's there now, too? Teddy Newton's there, yeah. So, uh, it's interesting all, the, all these people moving from Disney over to, to Paramount right now. He, he's had, a, like, a little conversation from, like, when we posted this, uh, somebody else, like, retweeted or something, and he started a conversation with us, and so that, that was cool. But... So, what do you think about the stuff he's going to be doing there? That he's not with his his new uh, his new title at, at Paramount Animation. Yeah, so his, his new title is creative director of Paramount Animation, and uh, I think it's really interesting. You know, he's he's got a lot of experience. He was at Disney Animation for sixteen years. Uh, his last job at Disney, he was he was the head of animation for Frozen. Yeah. So. Heavily involved with the you know all things uh, good thing to go out on seriously, and uh, you know it'll be interesting because we don't we don't know a lot about the slate, so some of the stuff I think that when he's you know showed up at Paramount clearly he's inheriting stuff that's already been going. Yeah. Uh, Paramount has got that uh, the their latest uh, SpongeBob SquarePants movie that's you, uh, coming out. Did you see a poster for that? Yeah, I did. It's like a, it looks interesting. It's like a CG version of SpongeBob. Yeah. 
I don't know if so, the movie's going to be CG. Well, that's what I'm wondering. I, 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 so I, well, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> it would be interesting. That would be the third medium of animation that SpongeBob has been SpongeBob. shown because he's the traditional hand-drawn animation that they did a Christmas special, in which where he was uh, clay, you know, stop motion. And then if they do the CG, that'll be another one. So I guess after that, what would he have to do? He would. Uh, I think was that it. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. Uh, well, so well, so um, as far as SpongeBob, you mean? Yeah, for like different forms of animation. Oh, different forms of animation. Yeah. Well, puppet. Yeah. Do a puppet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, the title of it's the SpongeBob movie, Sponge Out of Water. I wouldn't be surprised if they're going for a hybrid, because also two two directors are listed on it. Yeah. And and uh, you know one is like an animation. I wonder. I don't know. You wonder if one's doing like the live action and one is doing. Right. Uh, well, did you uh, see the original film? Uh huh. Yeah. So I wonder if it'll be like that. Yeah. But I, I wonder if they're going Smurfs. You know where they're going to have, or SpongeBob's going to be like a, a CG SpongeBob roaming around the human world. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Yeah. I hope then. So. Then the, the other film that Paramount uh, on their slate is Monster Trucks, which is, uh, I think, about monster trucks. Uh, but are they monster trucks? Well, you wonder if they're, yeah, are they, is it like cars, but they're trucks, trucks and, and monsters? They're monsters. So uh, it's directed by Chris Wedge, who has been at uh, Blue Sky Studios. Now he's at, he's at Paramount. That's scheduled for next May, May 2015. So, and then there's that film that John Cars is directing called Shed. Uh, and that's all we know about that is that yeah. it has a title and John Cars is attached and we don't know anything about the story or a release date or anything. So anyway, Alino, I think, is going to have, sounds like a lot of interesting stuff going on. Maybe they're going to, he's going to be able to, Really set an interesting course because Paramount, they're they're going for it. Yeah, they really want they want in, and they're and they're hiring they're hiring really talented people. Yeah, so to get them in the game. Definitely looking forward to the stuff coming from them. Me too. I don't I don't know if Ringo counts as Paramount Animation or not because Industrial Light and Magic did that. Right, and Paramount was the distributor. So I don't know if that counts. Yeah, but it's still maybe they're gonna. And also, didn't they? Did they get co-branded with Nickelodeon too? I'm yeah. trying to remember. Yeah, because so, I mean, Nickelodeon is owned by right. Is this is Paramount's uh, Viacom and yeah, kind of their companies, but their um, children's animation arm. But yeah. anyway, yeah. So we're looking forward to because I mean, if it's as good, if any of that stuff's as good as Ringo, I'll, I'll be excited for that. So. But yeah, the the next thing is I think we're one of the only sites that still has this up. Because we're somewhat smaller than other sites. So Disney doesn't email us to ask us to take it down. To remove it. Uh, But, yeah, we have the leaked Big Hero 6 character posters up. That J posters, the same. (laughs) From Argentina, right? Argentina getting the the early Disney posters like they did last year for... For Frozen. Frozen. Which we were told at the time that these aren't the final character models, but, yeah, they were. Uh, (laughs) So... We're pretty, like, 
98% sure this is exactly what the characters will look like in finished animation 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 for the the final film so and yeah like so like gogo tomago fardzilla hero uh, baymax wasabi and honey lemon all look pretty awesome uh i, I really like the designs of of them all they, they look really cool I like i uh, do too honey lemon's bag and gogo tomago's discs on her, her feet and hands fardzilla's suit uh, like yeah, so since everyone knows that is a suit on Fred, he's inside of a suit. We've been reading that before. It's different from the comic where, like, he was actually turned in. He actually transforms, yeah, into something. But but yeah, yeah, he can control the suit and like breathe fire and stuff. So yeah, really cool. and Baymax just looks really cool. Yeah, agreed. I want a Baymax toy. Yes. And, and you posted something about that recently on. Yeah, so at that same... No, this was different. So there was a... Disney Consumer Products did a holiday preview of some of their toys that they're introducing for the holiday season. And and, uh, I don't know, I I love uh, uh, stitchkingdom.com site, you know, because I'm a big Disney fan. Is that that a dude or a girl? It's a guy, if I'm not mistaken. So it's a dude, and he... uh, I think... I think he's based out of New York City. Yeah, I think so too. But because uh, he always takes a lot of pictures of the at the Times Square Disney store yeah. and posts them, you've seen those. So uh, anyway, he got he got invited to that that holiday preview, which I think was at a hotel or something in New York City, and uh, that he filmed that the Baymax toy, like a Baymax action figure that's got a little hero on the back of it. We've got you put a picture on the site. And uh, and uh, it looks cool. I'm yeah. with you. And oh, there's Baymax's fist so that it can punch stuff off of it too. Right. So it's <laughs> that foam cool. fist looks really fun. Yeah, we're, we're excited and still uh, predicting that we'll see the next trailer in front of Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, I'm so. hoping so. And then also, uh, if you look at the San Diego Comic Con. Yeah, they've got a huge booth. They, they've got a booth there that's just labeled Big Hero Six, and and so I, I wonder. And then and there, are, they've got posters that are around uh, San Diego too. I think around around uh, the convention center that yeah, usually just, the banners they have hanging. Yeah, the light banners. They're uh, uh, that that poster of Baymax, that that, nice. that teaser poster. Um, you know, kind of the full body or three-quarters body of Baymax, you know, with his head tilted. Nice. Uh, so, I yeah, so I bet you we'll get a preview with Guardians of the Galaxy, and hopefully there's going to be a lot of stuff that they're going to introduce at San Diego Comic-Con. I wonder if they're going to talk about some of the voice cast. And I wonder if there'll be the same booth that you saw at D23, or if they like, building a new one. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I wonder, too. So I guess we'll see what that. Yes, we'll, we'll see what they do. Yeah. Maybe they'll not be silhouettes anymore, but the actual... Right, and that detour. I mean, they could they could easily repurpose that booth. Uh, well, famous yeah. last words, but because it had just that one big Hero Six side on it, and then there was a lot of stuff for Frozen on one Frozen. Side was it like get a horse or something? And get a horse uh, stuff on the other. Yeah, yeah. So we're excited for that. Uh, hoping pe- some people that we know will grab some big Hero Six for stuff for us. That's right. Take a lot of pictures too that we can <laughs> we can Post check out. Yeah. Uh, 
Go, staying with uh, the Disney brand, uh, the Pixar, uh, well, Ratatouille ride just opened up at Disneyland Paris. And it looks really cool. It's, uh, it's like on a trackless kind of uh, ride, and it looks like it moves through like different parts of the the film. It's, and I have, I mean, the only Disney parks I've been to are the ones that are in the United States. So. I mean, I mean, this looks like uh, like a really cool kind of idea for it. What do you think? I mean, and then they have like a this restaurant next to it as well. Like it's like a mini kind of Ratatouille area, and it looks like Remy's restaurant from the end of the film, where like the seats are like bottle caps and stuff, and like the umbrellas at the tables are like you know like the Hawaiian umbrella things you put in a tropical drink. So it's really cool, like how they designed the the restaurant to make you feel like you're at the scale of a, a mouse or a rat. You know, it looks it looks fantastic from the pictures and the videos that I've that I've checked out. So the this Ratatouille area is in uh, the second theme park there at the Disneyland Paris Resort, which they refer to as the Walt Disney Studios Paris Park, and it's it's just right next door to the Disneyland Paris Park, which you know is Disneyland with Main Street and the castle and stuff. Yeah. Uh, the so the studios park though is a bit more of a hodgepodge, and it really needed just a really. I mean, this is this is a great addition to that park, and it looks like it's 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 uh, it's fantastic. The uh, that trackless technology that you were talking about, Mark, uh, looks like it really lends itself well to this ride. The uh, they use a lot of. It's a combination from what it appears just in the ride videos. You know, clearly I haven't been on it, but the, uh, so you, the, the the viewers or the riders wear 3D glasses, and they there's a lot of screens within the attraction as well as practical sets. So uh, it looks like it kind of tells the story. It starts on the the, the rooftops of of Gusto's restaurant, and then Remy drops, you know, falls in, and then. You follow him as as he's getting. Yeah, so it seems like it's almost like that one scene from the yes, film. Yes, right, just almost directly from the movie. It's like appear, running under stuff. And... Appears like to me, and so some of it again, easy for me to to criticize. I haven't written on it, and this isn't necessarily criticism. It's just it looks like there's a lot of of uh, kind of sitting in front of a screen, and you watch a segment, and then you get a ride through some something. Yeah. It probably feels very different when you're actually. There, the screen is big, and yep. maybe you're it's moving more than it might be. Is evident. it like a, a 4D experience too, like where they're blowing air and like? I wonder about that too. I heat I need, and stuff like that. I need to read some more uh, reviews about it, but as I think that people mostly have been raving about it, and it looks it looks it really looks fun, and again, just a lot of the great details that that. Uh, Walt Disney Imagineering puts into these themed environments. I think that, so that exterior, you know, looks more like a Parisian street. Yeah. And the fountain has all sorts of little, little Remy's on it. I think there's like champagne bottles and different things, you know, just, and uh, it looks to me, I saw a picture of it just this weekend. Someone had posted it online where there's an archway that you can walk under to get into the area. And there's like a kind of a sculpt a sculpt or a relief of, of uh, Gusto, and uh, anyway, it just looks like you're walking into the movie and have fun. 
Yeah, it looks like they have this uh, cool fountain that's like all champagne bottles. Like. Yeah, that fountain looks really cool. Yeah. So I guess we'll all have to book our trip to Disneyland Paris. <laughs> that's right. Go check out this new, uh, great new attraction. Definitely. Uh, staying with Pixar, uh, they just recently announced the short that's going to be playing in front of Inside Out next year, and it is Lava. Uh, it's going to be directed by James Ford Murphy and produced by Andrea Warren, and it's inspired by the isolated beauty of tropical islands and the explosive allure of ocean volcanoes. Lava is a musical love story that takes place over millions of years. So, yeah, I mean, I can only imagine how awesome that's going to look with, with the magma moving and it's i'm sure that'll be it'll be inevitable like a uh, comparison to paper man and uh the blue umbrella sure because it says it's about two volcanoes that are in love with each other yeah <laughs> but yeah there's ton of tons of like euphemisms though that could be happening with like the the lava erupting and stuff so let's not go there but um <laughs> but yeah from the people that saw it they seem to, to really enjoy it and so I'm excited to check it out next year, too. Uh, yeah, so always excited for a Pixar short. Oh, I know. Me, too. And going from there, the next bit of news from Disney is the Phineas and Ferb Star Wars special has a premiere date now. It's going to be on July 26th, which is the Saturday at 9 p.m. on the Disney Channel. Or if you have the, the Disney XD, watch Disney XD app on... Uh, your phone or Apple TV. I'm not sure what else it's available on. Uh, it's going to be on there. I know it's going to be on there earlier uh, on July 19th. So you get a little bit earlier if you have that. And the the voice, some of the, the voice cast that was announced for it, like kind of like stunt casting. Uh, Simon Pegg is going to be the voice of C-3PO, which I thought was interesting that they, like, I don't know if they originally asked Anthony Daniels to do it or just because they're having like everybody else uh revoiced by different people they just decided to have c-3po voiced by somebody else too uh and then which was still awesome and Simon Pegg actually just did a voice like in another episode of uh Phineas and Ferb so I wonder if he just recorded at the same exact time yeah. he did that one or they just called in a favor or something yeah and then uh Mythbusters Adam Savage and Jamie Heineman are doing voices of the evil empire too which I'm sure Adam was much more excited for and probably in costume as a stormtrooper than Jamie was, if you guys have ever watched uh, the Star Wars special that they did for Mythbusters. Well, I'm really looking forward to this. My son is too, so. Yeah, it should be fun. Yeah, so. I, can't, I can't wait for it. We've heard about that first time, like what, like last year? or the Yeah, year? it was a year ago. So, looking forward to that. Uh, and then the last two bits we just want to touch on briefly was the first look at a CG Popeye uh, from the 2014 Licensing Expo that uh, Sony brought there, which uh, Jessica actually took a picture of when she went for the Cloudy 2 thing earlier this year, and I remember we posted it, and that that time that the time you studio got did ask us, because yeah. <laughs> uh, we really almost had it up so everybody would find us that way. But, yeah, Sony has to take it down. But it's the same, more or less the same image, just kind of, like, reformatted a little bit. So I just I posted the original image on our site now, too, because, I mean, I figure it's that's the same thing, so it's not really giving away that's not in the other one. But what, what do you think of the, the design in, in that 
looks cool. You know, it looks yeah. looks very much like Popeye. Or and like and, the uh, five movies Gendy Tartakovsky's working on right now. It's so oh, funny. I know. I mean, that guy's amazing. Yeah. Uh, uh, so just just from first glance, it looks like that they're 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 true to to uh, some of those are you know are, are more original character designs and and uh, it was a touch blurry, so it's a little tricky to see. I guess how. Yeah. Detailed they were, but you know, it looks like it's the gonna be cool. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it looks interesting. The and then, like, yeah, the original picture that Jessica gets a little less blurry, but there's a reflection of like light on it, so mm-hmm. <laughs> there's not like a super clear picture of it. But I mean, I think the designs look cool. Uh, and I mean, it, it basically looks like a hand drawn CG animation that makes sense it, it looks like a cool if that's what the film is going to look like and it's not just like concept art which i mean it is concept art but if that's what the film ends up looking like uh i think it'll be cool just like the same way that the the peanuts film looks like it's going to be a interesting way to c- cg animate the film yes agreed so yeah, with that, uh, the, the next thing and the last bit of news we're going to be talking about is Ultimate Spider-Man Season 3 is going to include more characters from the Marvel Universe and the Spider-Verse. So Marvel was going to be doing this big like, event thing later this year for their, their comics called um, the, the Spider-Verse. <laughs> and basically every single version of Spider-Man that's ever been depicted in comics or whatnot will be in this event. And then for the cartoon Ultimate Spider-Man, uh, they're actually going to have uh, Peter Parker is going to meet with Iron Spider, Spider-Man Noir, Peter Porker, the spectacular Spider-Ham, uh, Petra Parker, who is Spider-Girl, Spider-Man 2099, who's actually going to be CG animated. All the rest of these are will be hand-drawn animated. So it's kind of cool, to, I guess, to go along with him being uh, from the future. Yeah. And then uh, the first time Miles Morales has ever been depicted in any other form other than the comics, uh, the actual ultimate Spider-Man from like from comics to Miles Morales plays, uh, he will be in the cartoon as well. So we're looking forward to that. That's going to be a, f- I think it's going to be like a, a four-episode arc that that deals with this. So that should be pretty cool. Uh, the show isn't actually going to start in the U.S. until the end of august was it yeah right august yeah, 31st I think, I think that's right but yeah. it's it's already airing in the uk so if you live live in the uk that's pretty awesome that you've already gotten to check that this you out. get to see this yeah, yeah. uh and a couple months yeah. before the u.s <laughs> if you go to the the uh, disney xd uk website you can actually watch some clips from from some of these episodes too that they've already aired so i mean if you want to watch like a like a few clips, but not like the entire episode. I guess you can do it that way right now. But uh, Doctor Strange is going to return. Uh, Cloak and Dagger, Kazar, Amadeus Cho, and Agent Venom. And Agent Venom looks pretty cool. It's uh, for people that don't. It's Flash Thompson as as Venom, and Venom is more or less a good guy. So but that'll be cool to, to see that on the show too. So uh, I'm pretty excited about that. And, and then the season three has a a subtitle of web warriors and have you been watching ultimate spider-man now uh 
I think I've seen a couple of episodes of it. Uh, what do you think of it? I've enjoyed it. I mean, I, I, it's different from like the '90s versions and stuff. Like we talked about it before, like on our Spider-Man episode and way back when we interviewed Drake Bell and like episode 22 or something like that. But uh, it is it is different. It's it's more, um, I guess, more for like the ADD kind of mindset of Spider-Man. <laughs> If that makes sense, it's like if you melded Deadpool with Spider-Man, I guess. But yeah, I mean, it, it's it's got it's the '90s one is always going to be my, my favorite one, but this one has its its benefits to it as well. And, and as it's been going on each season, it's been getting better. So if if you do give it a chance and you get to season three, or if you just start at season three and kind of fill yourself in after that, there is an ongoing kind of serialized storyline that goes throughout. So. I, th- I would say it's worth checking out, especially if you like Spider-Man. So, yeah, that's what I have to say about Spider-Man. So that is our new section for the week. We'll be back in a few seconds talking about our new trailers. trailers for the week the first one we're gonna be talking about is the box trolls international trailer that was released recently uh and it gives a little bit more of the the storyline for for the film uh and i'm still really looking forward to this uh, it's really like the the stuff that like it puts out uh, i think that has a it just has like a certain feel to it and you can always tell it's a like a movie just like oh i know it's it's a pixar movie or a dreamworks yeah. movie but yeah, I like the the character design for this, and this one gives, like I said, like a uh, a, a much better idea of like what the storyline will be for this, like like with eggs trying to like more or less assimilate into like the human uh, population there, and then also teaching the box trolls not to be so afraid to to come up to the surface and whatnot. And I think it just looks really cool. What about you? You know, uh, as we've talked about before. This movie looks so great, and and uh, just the, these uh, you know, additional scenes and different things that we, we get to see in these new trailers, uh, they just continue to impress. So I'm excited. Bring it on. Uh, and then the the next one is a trailer for DreamWorks Home, uh, which this this played in front of uh, How to Train Dragon Two. And it, this looks pretty. It has me more excited than the the Almost Home short did. Uh, and it shows the, the human character that's going to be interacting with. Uh, I don't remember his his name's. Uh, what the hell's his name? I forgot what his. Name. Do you remember what his? Uh, I can't remember what his name is either. Oh, oh, it's, it's oh. <laughs> oh yeah, because they make they make a joke about that in the, in the trailer with. He's like, it's a nickname that's been given to me by all of my friends. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like when he comes in and they're like, oh. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but he'll be voiced by Jim Parsons. Uh, Jennifer Lopez is a voice. Steve Martin and Rihanna. Rihanna. Who is doing the voice of oh, do, 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 Tip, uh, the Tip main character. The main character, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, and this looks interesting. I, I can't, uh, like when the aliens get to Earth. Uh, I'm not sure if it's a if it's current day Earth or it's futuristic. And there's like this stuff going on with like all like the landmarks are on like these floating like circular like things in the air. She's got a hover car. Uh, so it's it's interesting. Uh, I'll read the synopsis really quick. When Earth is taken over by the overly confident Boove, an alien race in search of a new place to call home, all humans are promptly relocated. Well, all Boove get busy reorganizing the planet, but when one resourceful girl, Tip, manages to avoid capture, she finds herself the accidental accomplice of a banished Boove named O. Uh, the two fugitives realize there's a lot more at stake than intergalactic relations as they embark on the road trip of a lifetime. So this looks like it could be interesting, and I'm sure like when we get another trailer for it. And that, the only reason we got this one so early, because it comes out in March of next year, is because originally, like, you know, this is a much, you know, full-length trailer than the one we're going to talk about next for the Penguins, which they got switched around, so that's why the Penguins trailer is shorter for a movie that comes out earlier than when it's coming coming out later but are, are you excited to see this from from seeing this trailer for uh, it? you know sort of i think for me the jury's still out i i was really underwhelmed by that almost home short okay. uh i didn't really care for that at all this trailer at least put some of the story in more context you can understand yeah. where that what that short was trying to uh you know what's kind of pre-story or set up this, you know, that, that short was trying to do. Uh, I think it looks like, uh, like it's going to be a lot of fun. Interesting voice cast. I'm, yeah. I love that Steve Martin's in it. Yeah, he's and, playing one of the, the President Booth. And, uh, apparently Barack Obama does the voice somewhere too. Um, probably of, <laughs> oh, himself, yeah. probably of himself. Cause he, he was there at DreamWorks. Yeah. Yeah. Have, yeah uh, so I would assume it's for himself. Speaking earlier on. Yeah. I wouldn't be, that, 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 that's fun. So, Anyway, uh, hopefully it's going to be good. DreamWorks yeah. needs a hit, as we've discussed, so hopefully it's going to be yeah. a, a good flick. Yeah, and, and the next one is also DreamWorks film, like we just said. comes out in no, November 23rd, November. so a few weeks after Big Hero 6. Uh, and Penguins of Madagascar is a, it's a spinoff of the Madagascar films and also a feature-length film of the spinoff animated TV series, Penguins of Madagascar. If that makes sense to everybody, and I know there's, I guess there's some controversy about some like the voice cast for this for the Penguins because some of the TV voice cast for them like John DiMaggio uh, aren't doing the voices for the film. It's the voices of the Penguins from the Madagascar films because I know some of some of them are the same, some of them aren't. So I'm not sure if all uh, the details to that will we'll, pro- we'll look into that more. But what did you think about? The, the teaser for this. I thought it was pretty funny and it goes in the same vein as like the, the penguins. Have yeah, been it's before. funny. I mean, I like the penguins. They're, they're, uh, they're fun characters. Uh, yeah. Ben, I like, you know, that Ben and Cumberbatch. Yeah. <laughs> it plays a character <laughs> called classified. And, uh, you know, it looks like there's a lot of comedic potential uh, as, as they're, you know, having with these other things with, with these characters. So that, that one looks like it really could be a lot of fun. And I guess this is actually one that they're, that's being animated, uh, not in uh, Glendale, but actually offsite in uh, I think India. Or oh, okay. Yeah, so that, that's interesting as well. Interesting so, for them, yeah. 
Yeah, so um, hopefully that does well too. I mean, it'll have to contend with Big Hero 6 as well. So, uh, and hopefully, like, they won't, you know, like, people that go to, we'll go see both of them and not, you know, be like, hey, I'm just gonna go right. just see one of these. But uh, we'll have to see more about that. But yeah, I'm, I'm, right now I'm looking forward to it. I like, I'm looking forward to seeing Benedict Cumberbatch in a, a comedic role. Although it looks like he'll he'll probably be the the straight man in the mm-hmm. in the comedy. So right. Uh, uh, the next one is a new trailer for Disney's Planes. It's the, the I think it's the last one uh, trailer for it. Yeah, because it's opening up soon, uh, isn't it? But is yeah, it, July eighteenth. Uh, so July eighteenth. Just about ten, twelve days from now, so two weeks. Yeah. Uh, did this one make you want to see the movie any more than the other two did? Or? Oh heavens no. Uh, I think I mean again the animation looks pretty solid. Yeah, I mean it looks looks great. Yeah, and, they're doing uh, a good job of mimicking the Pixar like animation. Oh, absolutely, and and you know again, I I, I love the whole uh, world that these characters inhabit. You know where they they both the the natural elements and the architecture mirror ele, you know elements from from either the planes or the cars or vice versa. And they've uh, I mean. It, I think Disney's done a nice job with the marketing. As I've always, as I said before, you know, last year, my only beef is that this is a direct-to-DVD product that should be direct-to-DVD and not put it in the theater. But you know, hopefully, probably earns Disney some more money, yeah. and hopefully, the first one did pretty well. People, uh, uh, you know, can enjoy it with their families. But and my wife noticed a joke in the this last trailer too that the pickup truck. Uh, says, hey, sugar rims. <laughs> so, you know, with the, like what the human equivalent yeah. would, would be to that. So, really interesting. Although, like, to be fair, there's a thing in the first Cars movie when me and Tia flash oh, yeah. headlights. <laughs> I don't really need to explain that in any other way. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, like, you can kind of get away with certain stuff. I mean, there's there's other stuff like in Toy Story too, with like Buzz sure. Lightyear's wings popping up when he sees Jesse, so right, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there's all kinds of nice life. innuendos in, in the Planes movie. So if anything, you can go and, and check out the the jokes and the the innuendos there. Uh, and I'll, I'll probably end up seeing it with my son. I think. Yeah, say say Patrick, it might be you know something fun. Yeah, to I go saw the Patrick. first one last year. But uh, and then the last one is for the hybrid animated film uh, Paddington, uh, based on Paddington Bear. And what did you think about the the trailer to this? I mean, I guess now also we should say that Colin Firth is no longer doing. Yeah, he's no Paddington. longer. He's no longer gonna be. You know, he doesn't really even do it in in the, in the no, trailer. No, like, there's like, in the trailer. I mean, unless you want to count like the the sounds he makes that right. aren't really speaking, but. The, and if those were even him, yeah, uh, to begin with, but yeah, so Colin Firth is no longer attached. I don't know if they've announced a, a replacement for him. You know, Paddington Bear, I think, is a, is a is a cute character. I guess this has, I guess this has potential. I also yeah. just think they're kind of riding the the wave of let's let's throw well, a CG character in a live action. Yeah, they they play up the comedy in in the in this teaser trailer, like with yeah. him in the bathroom and stuff, but. Yeah. Uh, it's it's being produced by David Heyman, who you know produced all of the Harry Potter movies, 
So I'm sure there'll be some kind of fantastical elements to it. To it. Peter Capaldi's in it, the the, the new Doctor. Yeah, the new Doctor. Uh, I want to say Jim Broadbent, Broadbent is in it too. I think he is too. So David Haven working with, uh, uh, you know, Harry Potter alum as well. Uh, and then Nicole Kidman is, is in there. Uh, so I think like the only British per- non-British person on on the cast for it. So, I mean, I guess we'll have to see another theatrical trailer and see who they replace Colin Firth with. With Who would you want to... Who do you think would be a good replacement for Paddington? Benedict Cumberbatch for <laughs> everything. <laughs> no, um, I think Martin Freeman would be... A, you know, he could do a really nice job. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because it, it kind of has to be like a voice that doesn't like sound like super like sure of itself and whatnot. And like right. not to say like that Martin Freeman's like that, but like he plays a good job with Bilbo, like, at, in, in the film. So I think he could do a good job as, and and as Tim on the original UK Office. So I think he could do Paddington pretty well. Yeah. So I, I guess we'll have to wait and see who they, who they get for that. But who they choose. But the the horror memes that that came from the first Paddington uh, trailer were pretty funny too. Like <laughs> putting him in like the the Evil Dead coming thing coming out from out from under the. The cellar. So, yeah, if you guys haven't seen those, uh, Google search like Paddington horror meme and you'll find those. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, those those are our new trailers for the week, uh, and then we'll be back in a few seconds with our recommendations. So we'll see you guys then. section for the week to start off i'm gonna kind of go in the same vein as i did for the last episode of talking about a british television show uh this one is the first and second season of the trip uh, the first season is called the trip and then the second was the trip to italy and then the, the these series are actually edited down into a film of each of those trips too and they're pretty cool they star steve coogan and rob bryden playing kind of uh, characterized versions of themselves Kind of like in that same vein as uh, this is the end, but without the apocalypse. Uh, and I re- really enjoyed these. I think they're funny. That that's. I mean, if you enjoy British comedy with like dry humor and whatnot, uh, this is a good show to check out. They both do really great, really great um, impersonations of different people, especially Michael Caine. Uh, I would definitely check a video out of uh, Google Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon doing an impression of Michael Caine. And, it's pretty awesome i would highly suggest to check these out uh the second one was just on television i believe the first movie is on netflix still it might be and then the second film is going to be coming out in august in the united states so definitely check those out how about you stanford my recommendation this week is a short called box b-o-x it's uh it's a really interesting piece of performance art. It was, it's the winner of the Best in Show Award at the, at the recent computer animation festival that's held in conjunction with the SIGGRAPH conference. And uh, 
it's it's really an amazing piece. It, it uses two robots that have uh, a rectangle screen that's about, I don't know, the, the screens look like they're maybe six feet tall, uh, three inches wide kind of deal. And uh, computer animated projections are put on these screens as they move around on a stage. And they also interact with humans. It's really, you kind of need to see it to believe it. We're going to, um, I've written up a story for uh, the site about it. And it's, it, it was very impressive. It really was almost like watching a magic act uh, just to see this wonderful animation and how the, these screens get moved around and, and everything. I'm really not doing justice describing it, but it's totally worth it. So take the five minutes to see it. Also, at the end of the video, there's a link to uh, see how it was made. So you get a little bit of behind the scenes and talk to the uh, engineers and the artists who, who uh, made it happen. So box. Very cool. Uh, you think we should set our phasers to unstun for... For John, no. Yeah, definitely. John? No, I get to talk now? Yep. Finally. Um, I've got a couple of recommendations. Um, first off is the, uh, the HD remaster of Final Fantasy X and, uh, and X-2 for the PS3 and PS Vita. Um, I want to talk about the PS Vita 1 um, version because uh, that's the one I'm playing actively. Um, really good HD transference. Um, it's Final Fantasy X is one of the most beloved of all the Final Fantasy games, one of the last that the original creator um, worked on before he left Square. Um, and it's, it's just, it, it's amazing how much those who played the game back in 01 and who lived this incredible story, it's amazing how it still resonates. And uh, it's not as dated as I expected it to feel. The character models are great. And uh, it's just, it's like visiting old friends again, especially after playing 60 or 70 hours with these characters. They become friends. You get to know them inside and out, you know, their strengths and their weaknesses, what makes them cry, what makes them hurt. And uh, it's just nice to see that again. And uh, I highly recommend any, any you know, Japanese role-playing game fan to check it out. But if you've ever played Final Fantasy X or X-2, um, you can now do it with an HD remaster. And also includes the Japanese ending, uh, which is was a 20-minute nah, full FMV video Jeez. that kind of better explained what happens at the end. Um, so there's definitely a reason to play through it, but I highly recommend it. And again, I'm still playing it. I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm about 25 hours in. I'm just I'm still feel like I want to scratch the surface, knowing how long it's going to take. So I'm enjoying it. I could never and, beat uh, that when I played it back in 2001. Did, were you a fan of it? Yeah, I, I liked it up to that point, and then I could never beat that board, so I don't know what the heck happens after that. It was it was like some board like on the, in the snow. I think it was like halfway through the game, and I tried like every different like move and whatnot, and I always died. Couldn't get past it. So, well, I always play Final Fantasy games. I, I make a, a point to grind. I, I will spend weeks doing nothing but grinding for levels, so I don't have problems when it comes to the bosses until I get the very last boss. Um, I'm very overpowered more often than not. That's why I'm 25 hours in and still on the Mihin High Road, for those of you who know what the game is. Um, that's 10 hours of literally just grinding. Um, so, I mean, if you get a chance, Mark, um, pick it up for the PS3. It actually just dropped in price recently. It's down to either $19.99 or $24.99, depending on where you pick it up. Um, and you get that and, and 10 too. And uh, it's well worth the revisit. And uh, 
I think Patrick would enjoy watching it. But, um, and I, I want to give a quick shout out to something else uh, that just kind of got released: the new uh, TMNT uh, Ninja Turtle toys for the new Michael Bay produced film um, have hit from Playmates. Um, I just want to mention them in brief because the sculpting on these things are um, incredible. Some of the best turtles ever sculpted. Say what you want about the noses and the eyes and the bodies and the busy looks that these these characters have in the movie. Uh, I'm trying to reserve judgment till I see it, but these toys are simply fantastic in how they're sculpted. And they have the normal, um, this is about five and a half inch tall figures, and then they have the big, um, you know, 12 inch figures, and uh, each one is just as posable, just as you know, weapon intensive, accessory heavy, and. Uh, uh, the toys make me want to see the movie more, even though the trailers haven't. So, again, trying to reserve judgment, but I highly recommend the the toys for any turtle fans. Uh, and are those kind of like the are they expensive? Or are they like the same price as like the ones for like the Nickelodeon show? Yeah, they, they completely price match. So, um, the the exact same price. Uh, so the smaller figures, you know, eight eighty eight, eight ninety nine, depending where you get it. The twenty, the twelve inch figures, I think, are nineteen ninety nine. Um, they have vehicles, which are, might be repaints. I'm not too entirely sure. Um, and I think every figure is out. I've seen Shredder. I haven't seen April, but the first line, of course, includes the four turtles. Shredder, April, um, Splinter, and then a foot soldier. And I think every figure is actually out right now. So they're not they're not doing waves, per se. So everything should be out on, in stores right now. Cool. Uh, Patrick will probably be interested in those, too. If, yeah, if we get... Because they're showing up on all, like all like you know like the food tie-ins now too. Because I saw Michelangelo on some orange crush and Donatello on the grape crush, but you know they they don't have I don't think they have a strawberry or a like raspberry for Leonardo or Raphael to show up on. <laughs> they might, but I guess you can look for that yourself. <laughs> yeah, so those are our recommendations for the week. Uh, we'll be back in a few seconds with our main topic talking about Star Trek the Animated Series. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission, to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. And we're back with the main topic for this episode, talking about Star Trek, the animated series. Uh, to start off, we're going to let everybody know that we, we are not Trekkies, so we may not know everything there is to know about Star Trek. Just wanted to put that out there first. But, yeah, so I guess starting with you, John, and then going to Stanford, uh, kind of talk about your introduction to Star Trek and then what eventually led you to the animated series? Um, I may have actually started with the animation animated series. Um, cause it was, it came the year I was born was 73. So it, it, it basically was produced in 73 and 74. So it was probably more prevalent to me than the canceled TV series, which hadn't hit syndication just yet. So, um, I grew up with the animated series. I grew up with the comic books, 
um, the for the old DC comics um, before I started getting into the original series episodes. Um, so uh, that's my I, I, from my memory, which obviously fades as I get older. I, it feels like my first indoctrination to the Star Trek universe was was via this series. So I will always hold it close to my heart. Um, I, I can go on and on, but I'll, I'll let let Sanford talk about what you know his his beginnings with it. Go ahead, Sanford. Yeah, so uh, I, I'm a child of the 70s, uh, and too, and so I, I, one of my best friends growing up, he was a big Star Trek fan. I think he and his older brothers were really into it. Uh, but it was Star Trek, the original live-action TV show. And so I think that was my first... Uh, you know, Star Trek influence was 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 seeing that, but then uh, seeing the animated episodes, I think I I was drawn to those as well. Most mostly, I think, because uh, they were done by filmation, and and that 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 filmation animated style was such a prevalent uh, art form, you know, of my childhood that I I just. Was very drawn to it. So now looking back, and I think it'll be fun to talk about with with you guys about the filmation uh, style. But still, as, as a child, it was almost uh, just like returning to an old friend. You know, such a comforting, uh, a comforting look. Also, and just instantly, the characters are so iconic, and and the way that they were drawn in the series, you can instantly tell. Plus, also they were all voiced for the most part by by the original actors too. So. So Chekhov. there was that, yeah, right. There was that connection as well. But he wrote an episode for the animated series, and, yeah. and that really that really helped. Like what Stanford said, um, it, it it's really hard for you know a four or five six year old who this was on Saturday mornings when I grew up. Right. Saturday so morning. it didn't matter if it was drawn crudely or not or acted, the voices were the same, and so mm -hmm. that was Captain Kirk. Um, you know, and this is it was it was actually the animated series that came up with the Tiberius being his middle name. So, so I mean, there's a lot of things that the animated series did to help the the, the mythos of Star Trek. You know, that have basically taken over an entire segment of the world. Yeah, and, and like I didn't really because this aired from September of 1973 to October of 1974, and I was born 12 years later. So. <laughs> But, yeah, so, I mean, I, I didn't really start watching any kind of Star Trek until I caught, like, a few episodes of the Next Generation series here and there while I was growing up. And then I saw, like, the J.J. Abrams 2009 film. And I've kind of gone back and watched, like, Wrath of Khan and the original motion picture and a, f a few other films like that, too. But, uh, so, I'm by no means, like like I said, a Trekkie, but I, I enjoyed checking this out and I think it's cool like like you were saying like some of the stuff they did on the show how it influenced later like series or uh, actually like how they would pay homage to it like in that 2009 film like there's an episode of this called Yesteryear where Spock travels back in time to save him a younger version of himself from dying that was a pretty good episode and the f filmation what do you what do you guys think about that too like that like that style and the way that that they did their stuff. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Sanford. Oh, sure. Okay. Uh, as I mentioned, it's 
for me, it's kind of strangely comforting because, uh, you know, I, I loved a lot of those shows that, that were played on Saturday. And one of my favorites was, was Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids, done by the Filmation Studios. So, again, just that really flat uh, look to it. And typically all that's moving is one body part, and it's usually just their mouth, you know, that's kind of moving. Yeah. <laughs> However they turn their heads. Uh, and they, you know, lots of you know, stock footage or rotoscoping and things like that. They just, and they just use stuff over and over and over again. But, uh, you know... You know, I liked it, and and rewatching some of the, I, I rewatched a few episodes, you know, in preparation for the podcast, and it it really, I think, in a lot of ways, Filmation did a really cool job with with some of this, and Star Trek really, I think, lends itself well to animation in, in many ways. It's, I think animation is a good way to tell to tell many of these uh, stories. I, I was always looking for ways. With the filmation style, just to get try to see okay what what are they actually moving on the characters? I, I noticed too with it, many times as characters are walking through a scene or something, often they're just in silhouette or just like quote unquote a shadow. So you just see these, these dark figures moving across and and uh, thought well that you know clearly had to save them some money or it was a, a quick way to get going. But a lot of the background art was you know I thought was pretty cool and they did some cool stuff in outer space and. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, 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 Filmation's interesting. Well, okay, John, what's your take on, on the Filmation stuff? Yeah, if you haven't already, Mark, you really need to schedule an entire episode dedicated to Filmation. Because, um, I mean, for people like Stanford and I, uh, I mean, it was iconic. When you saw that circular and Filmation yep. going around in a circle, you knew what you were getting. Um, one of my favorite cartoons ever growing up was the Flash Gordon cartoon. Oh, yeah. Because uh, it had, you know, it had other characters in it, if I remember right. And I believe there's a Zorro or maybe a Tarzan or maybe there was like a, a, an action hour or something. Yeah. That, uh, Filmation did. And of course, Fat Albert. And then as we got older, you know, we had He-Man. And then later on, we had um, uh, Ghostbusters, um, which was actually based off the original uh, property Ghostbusters. Um, not the... Not the uh, real Ghostbusters. The, yeah, like the, not the yeah. Sony film. Right. Yeah. But, uh, I mean... It was clean animation, and um, it wasn't jerky. It was they, they didn't have they, they didn't have the budget to make anything jerky, so people stood there and just their mouths moved, like you said. And when they moved, it was all from the waist down or waist mm-hmm. up, because you know you wouldn't see their legs moving. I mean, it was it was almost like the original um, Adult Swim uh, cartoons, um, where they just didn't have any money whatsoever, and they made it work. And you know, there are times when frames would pop in and out, and characters would uh, it would disappear off the screen wrong actors would say, or, you know, wrong character would say the wrong line or whatever. Um, you see that now looking as an adult, but as a kid, again, I can, I can speak on this with kid, you know, kid eyes. Uh, it was great. And there was adventures in space and they were traveling all around. And like I said, this was my Star Trek before I even saw the reruns of the, the series. So, um, when that happened, it's like, Oh, this is, that was based on something. And then I'm not a trekker at all. I know I've seen almost everything. I can speak on almost everything, but I don't know, you know, finite st- statistics and things yeah. like that, like a good trekker can. So, um, but filmation meant something to me. And uh, as the animation got worse and worse before they finally basically folded or whatever happened to them originally, I need like to research that. But man, the 70s and 80s filmation was the uh, that was the place to go for for quality storytelling. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting is uh, doing some homework on this too. Filmation 
did all they did all of their animation uh, there in, in Reseda, California. You know, in their offices, they they did not ship it out overseas uh, like many people were doing uh, at the time or started doing at the time. And I think it was a more a bit more expensive proposition, but to them, but it was important uh, for them and and. Again, in its own strange way, you can really see some craftsmanship in it. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, or, I don't know, yeah, craftsmanship, but also just clever ways that they are able to tell the story and, and further along, but without having to do a lot of major uh, uh, animation. And they could have very easily skimped on a lot of things, but they brought in Star Trek original series writers. David Grohl, I think, wrote an episode. Um, they uh, And they brought... And all the actors, except obviously for Koenig, but uh, who wrote, as, as Mark said, an episode. So they, it, the, the transition was seamless. And before they erased it from canon, it was canon. Everything that happened in that show was part of the five-year mission. Um, so that always, because the show only lasted what two, three seasons? Yeah, it was two, two, two it seasons. Was two seasons, and like the first basically season was like one and a half. Yeah, sixteen episodes in season one, six episodes in season two. Yeah. That's a, a lot of story that was told there. And then, like I said, I segue from that into the DC comic book. And I remembered I, I could relate more to the characters in the book than I, to the cartoon than I could the TV series. And for, to my mind's eye, that's how my Star Trek story goes. It's, that's the narrative I see. And then, then the TV series, the live-action TV series, is the spice to, to make that story that I saw in the cartoon first. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was funny. It was like some of the stuff they introduced in this to make the animation easier, and then they would end up like not using it later on for like the live action stuff because it would have cost more to do it. But like the life support belt, because it was easier than you know drawing the character yes. again with like a space suit on and whatnot, and then just putting like the belt on and the glow. And then that glow around yeah. thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> that probably would have looked weird in live action anyways if they put on a belt and had like a weird kind of like glow around them. But yeah. And, and then, well, like, I guess the holodeck showed up for the first time on the, this animated series, too, in an episode. And I want to show up again until the, the next generation, so. All right. It's, uh, and uh, the, original, the original series, Roddenberry's original series, it was shot, you know, with the same cameras that were used on the Batman TV series. I mean, it just has that look and feel. This was animated. This was four-color animation, but it was so vivid because they could they could go out into space and you could see many different aliens and aliens that could take up the entire TV screen. You couldn't do that in 1966 on TV. Um, so it really just helped expand um, the storytelling capabilities of the writers, who at the time were writing canon before that got changed in '89, yeah. I think. Uh, and I think a lot of the actors still consider it canon, though, too, don't they? Basically, even I though believe like, does. Yeah. But so going from there, like, what would you say some of your favorite episodes of the shows are, or of the show are at Stanford and John? So uh, one episode that I particularly liked was uh, the um, the Tribbles. There's you know the Tribbles show up again. Uh, I believe it was in episode five of season one, if I'm not mistaken, and. Uh, I also Tribbles liked it because Tribbles were in it and and Klingons, so <laughs> that uh, that whole thing um, that whole thing was was pretty awesome. Another another episode that I liked was uh, the uh, 
all the male crew members of, of, of the Enterprise, I think clearly it's Kirk, Spock, and um, and I think Sulu is uh, too, or maybe no, it's maybe it's Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. But uh, they they get captured by this by this planet full of of women. I mean, did, did you guys see that one? Oh I need to find the. I need to find the episode number. It's in season one. It's it's fantastic. Uh, Are you sure you're not reading fan fiction? <laughs> I'm sure. Fan fiction starts that way for some reason. I just saw. I just watched. I just re, you know, recent watched this episode on Netflix. And uh, um, what happens is they get under the influence of these women, and then they age rapidly. And it turns out that somehow these these women have have got this superior something about them that causes any man who comes near them to, to drastically age, which is kind of a problem, you know? Yeah. So, uh, uh, anyway, her has to go over and, and kick some butt and, and, uh, and get the men back. But it's, uh, those, I think those are the two that stand out. And if there's something else I think of, I'll let you know. What about you guys? I think it was the first time that there was uh, a female captain on the show too. Cause she had to, she had to take over while they were all, you know. Oh, in this episode? I don't remember if it was that one, but I know that during the animated series, she took over as the captain, and that was the first time within the Star Trek series of shows that that, that had happened. That you see that, uh, yeah, her does that. Yeah, how about, how about you, John? Um, I mean, I, I had to research the name of this. So I'm not pulling this off the top of my, my head here. Um, there was one episode I really liked because I'm a fan of science fiction. Um, I read a, lot, read a lot of science fiction growing up. I still try to do science fiction now. And um, the thing about this, as I said, science fiction writers, novelists were writing for this show as well as you know, D.C. Fontana, David Gerald, 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 however it's pronounced, the guy that created the Tribbles, essentially, and Larry Niven. There was an episode called The Slaver Weapon that I really liked um, because Niven had wrote it. And this was one of those, one of those episodes that had um, elements that, that branched out into many different things, including Niven's other uh, other books that weren't Star Trek related. He he borrowed some of the, the concepts, especially after it was uh, not deemed uh, canon anymore. But some of the of the um, elements, even made as far as Next Generation, which a lot of people consider you know one of the best Star Trek iterations, and even is going as far as the uh, Enterprise, the the most recent TV series. So it had those uh, far-reaching elements, but. Um, it was just a really good episode. Um, I liked the, um, the, the villains were like cat-like creatures. So, um, again, this is animation. I'm a young boy watching this. I was drawn to that. These were like walking werewolves to a four or five, six-year-old boy. Um, so that, that resonated with me all these years. And then obviously I get older and read Larry Niven's books and become a fan of him as a writer and then knowing that he wrote that episode, and luckily all these episodes are on Netflix and they can be picked up, and it's, there's not a lot of them, which is also beautiful. You can sit down in a couple of days and take in the entire series, but that one stands out more than any others. Um, I agree with Stanford. Anytime you see the, the, the Tribbles, and uh, what's the, the guy's name who sells the Tribbles? Uh, oh. oh, yeah. It's got a uh, very iconic name. Cyrano Jones? Yes, Cerno. Cerno, Cerno. Yes. 
yeah. So, I mean, revisiting him and all of that, I mean, it's just, uh, how can I forget that? Um, yeah. So it's, there's just a lot of great episodes. And of course, as with any cartoons, there were some stinkers, things that just didn't make any sense, just, you know, fillers to, to sell the cereal that week. But, um, when you got a really good one written by a master of the art and, you know, with that classic iconic filmation animation, yeah. um, you, you knew it was just something fun. You know you're going to get a fun episode that week. And for me, The Slaver Weapon was probably one of my favorite episodes. You know, I appreciate what you say, John, about the writing, too, because, uh, again, as, as a kid, I wouldn't have necessarily picked up on that. But rewatching these episodes, I was impressed with the writing. And it, it was really with, with much of it, just because it's pretty solid sci-fi. And, it is. And uh, not... Again, maybe the animation isn't that elegant, but I think th- these were pretty ambitious stories in a lot exactly. of ways that they're trying to tell. And, and again, pretty true to the, the you know, this original Star Trek series that I remember watching as a kid as well. It's kind of a little bit ahead of its time, too, like where it's trying to aim for, like, as a cartooner, the entire family can watch together, whereas like most of the, the cartoons, like on TV at that time, were you know aimed at kids just to watch by themselves but right because i mean this one definitely has you know like more of like a and like a like you were saying like a more like higher higher brow almost like feeling to it Mm -hmm. and like where it could just be alive the lag of action extension of the show just over colored with with animation yeah but yeah i mean like i said like i said earlier my Every episode that I, that I watched this was yesteryear, and that's mostly just because I like time travel stories. So I really liked that. And I thought it was cool is that that episode's actually the only one that was written by an original series uh, writer who went on to write for The Next Generation 2, DC Fontana. So I thought thought that was pretty cool. And then a lot of elements from that, I guess, ended up eventually being canon, too, with like the city that Spock was from and his, his pet... And then again, like I said, the stuff they used in Star Trek Three and the reboot in two thousand nine. So, is that where is this the one too where Spock goes back and when he's a child? Yeah, yeah. And he's supposed was... to be playing like his, his. He's supposed to be playing a cousin of of his and whatnot. And that was, was cool. Yeah, but yeah, I enjoyed that one. I'm I'm gonna watch the last few episodes of this today because I got through most of it the other day. But I I really enjoyed it. So, so kind of wrapping up, talking about Star Trek, uh, what would you like to see if, if they were to do like another animated series? Would you like it to be an extension of the original series again or Next Generation or what other of the Star Trek series? Uh, John and then Stanford. Um, I'm a big proponent and I want Star Trek on my TV. Um, it was great sci-fi told weekly. And there's not really any sci-fi on TV anymore. I mean, for a time, we had Bab 5, we had Farscape, we had two, maybe three Star Trek series all going currently. And now we don't really have anything. There might be something on the sci-fi network, but um, I'm talking about like syndication, you know, on the CW or something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they take anything away from Arrow. So, um, but something like an animated show, I don't think they should because they would probably go for CGI and it would be be expensive they'd be blocky even with the you know advances that cgi 
animation has, has gone into. I'd rather see um, another series, another live action series. And that question gets more tricky because um, I would love to see some early Starfleet stuff. I'd like to see, I'd like to get it away from the characters that we know and start with new, completely new characters. I actually really loved um, the Enterprise TV series. Oh, Scott Bakula. Yeah. I, I thought Enterprise loved was it. cool. Um, I, and yes, people may send you hate no mark, but I love the theme song of that thing even. It was just, it was so uh, not Star Trek, but it was Star Trek through and through. And um, that's what I want to see is something new that we can all grasp onto and talk about. Um, I remember in 87 when they introduced the, the older bald captain that wasn't James Tiberius Kirk. You know, some guy with a French funny name no one can pronounce. Um, by a trained English actor, it would never work. And I mean, now Patrick Stewart is. You know, everyone's iconic actor for everything now. So I want to see a, a revamp, a next next generation, um, whether they shoot ahead in the future or go back in the past. And actually, I'd rather be after the next generation, so future stuff. But that's what I want to see. Animation, animated or otherwise, I'd rather see live action if I had to choose between the two. That, that's, that's me. Go ahead, Stanford. Well, I'm with you, John. I, if, if they're going to do a new Star Trek series, which I hope, they are. I would much rather see a live action series. Uh, again, it's fun to revisit this animation series from my childhood, but uh, again, I'm with you, John. I just don't see, of course, they, they take it with, you know, they use computer animation, and I just don't see what they do. Again, if they carry on with, with uh, you know, existing characters or try something new, I uh, I'm just not sure it would work. And this also, again, it, it seemed like it was an interesting experiment, not overly successful for them because since there are only 22 episodes total, and it's the only animated Star Trek thing that's been done. So I, I'd much rather see something live action, and I hope I hope Paramount and the Star Trek team are, are uh, cooking something up for us. Uh, me too. Have, have either of you guys seen the the captain's documentary that William Shatner did? He did like a like a film, and then there was like a TV series as well, which I think was basically just the film like broken up into each captain and had longer interviews for those episodes. But have you seen that? No, no. I would, I would say to check that out. It was like even I'm not like even since I haven't like really thrown thrown myself into Star Trek. It was interesting. To still watch it, even you know, not knowing too much about it, but I thought it was cool to hear how being a captain for each actor that's portrayed one on the on the series, how it's affected their life, and like the different things that came with it, and what they took from the Star Trek uh, mythos and you know, legend as it is. But yeah, I think like you guys are saying, I I'm, I'm gonna be the one that goes the other way. I think it would be cool, like maybe if they did do an animated series. But kind of like in the same vein as, like like the Clone Wars, like if it was like high end animation like that. I mean, there's different stuff they could go with there. Like maybe not even have it be about like the the Star Trek Academy. It could be like maybe just maybe focus like on one alien race and like do something about that like each week or something like that. I don't know. There's there's just like Star Wars has like a huge galaxy to choose stuff from. Like sort of the Star Trek. So I mean. There's plenty of different time periods and places and all stuff around the, the space where they could think of something to do, and they have time travel they can work with again. So there's really no limit to what they could do with an animated or a live-action series. So 
I think it would be great to see either one of them. But yeah, so we're going to let you guys all live long and prosper. And we would like you guys to know that you guys can follow us on Twitter at Animated Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Mark Vibber, M-A-R-C-V-I-B-B-E-R-T. How about you, Stanford? Yeah, I'm at Stanford Clark. John? (laughs) And I'm at Woolbinkle, W-U-L-L-B-I-N-K-L-E on Twitter. And then you guys feel free to email us at animationfascinationpodcast at gmail.com. You can visit our site where you can find all the news we talked about today on the episode and see it in its written form from Stanford and Jessica and Eric and everybody else that writes for us there. Uh, You can also help us reach 800 likes on Facebook just by going to Facebook and liking us there. We're getting pretty close now. So I'm Mark Fibber for myself, Stanford Clark, and John Huber. Thank you guys for listening, and make sure to tune again next time. Later. See ya, bye. Berserk like a jealous jerk, but no puny Vulcan death grip can paralyze me. I said, beam me up, Scotty, and then I got free. Princess Leia said that my flows are tight, so I said, I suppose she can spend the night a long time ago in the galaxy far away. MC Lars got the space age play. Two thousand can't stop me. Magneto can't stop me. I'm on fire tonight. Even Zod can't stop me. I'm sorry, Lars. I'm afraid I can't do that. So what can you do? I can play this awesome guitar solo. The green was sent for everything. Exactly. So I'll do the entire time. <laughs> I'll be Waldorf and Statler over here. <laughs> you see that? Did everyone, Go anyone ever watch Duckman? Yes. Yes. <laughs> There's an episode, I think that was making fun of Star Trek when he's like, Captain Slog. Here he goes, <laughs> Log. <laughs> Get out. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before.